Welcome to Slump Buster Design for the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Juju and Drew. On today's episode, we talk about NFL Week 1, break down who succeeded, who failed, and what you can expect in the future. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partner, Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their Nitro Cold Brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their Mammoth Blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their Hibiscus Teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code SLUMP, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. CavemanCoffeeCo.com, promo code SLUMP. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and get yourself a case today. All right, y'all. Juju Talk Sports, Drew Hagaba, Slump Buster Fantasy Football. Let's get it. Let's bust the slump and let's enjoy. Welcome in Slump Busters. It's time for the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Juju. It's Drew. We're coming off of week one, and we are happy to break down all things to help you win your league, bust the slump. Drew, what were some of your highlights of the weekend? Monday Night Football game. That was fucking wild. Am I right? Dude, it was absolutely crazy. I mean, who would have thought that the Raiders would pull off a victory against the Ravens so early in the season? I mean, honestly, one of the best Monday night games I've seen in a long time, to be honest with you. That's like the perfect way to introduce the season, right? To have an epic Monday night game. We had a great Thursday night game. So the perfect start and finish to NFL week one. I think if you're Roger Goodell, you're sitting in your press box, just kind of like soaking it all in, in Vegas, you know, too, which probably added to the excitement of everything. It was awesome to see that stadium finally filled after last year we had the COVID mess I mean hell we got SoFi too last night that was filled to capacity so we really got to see like these new stadiums these crowds it was great it was why we love football right Oh, absolutely. And seeing SoFi completely filled out and seeing Allegiant Stadium being completely filled out, it looked so amazing. It just makes the stadium look so much nicer, so much better when there's so many fans in there and, you know, no more empty stadiums. It feels so good to have full capacity stadiums once again. And, you know, just hearing the impact that a game makes, like for me being a big Browns fan, just the Chiefs screaming their heads off, being one of the loudest fan bases in America, you know, it really did a number on us. And people don't realize that fans really, really have a monster impact in the NFL and in force period. Oh yeah. I bet Seattle is so grateful that they get their full home field advantage back this year after not having that. I think as a Niners fans, I'm just thankful that they're probably not going to kick us out of our stadium this year, deport us to Arizona. That was one of the odder headlines of all last season. What were some of the things that you enjoyed most from week one? I'm sure you did what I did and just kind of vegged out and watched NFL Sunday as it took place. Oh, 100%. Like any game I could watch, I just tuned in as much as I could. I mean, every 30 seconds, I'm looking at my fantasy team, just seeing like, okay, who did what? Well, who did this? Who did this? How'd you do, by the way? Not the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> bad week we all have bad weeks I, I think that's the funny part about being on a fantasy football podcast most people just expect you to just, you just go in you win every league right you're just money as much as we love the sport and as much as we try to give you advice to help you win this sport it is unpredictable at the end of the day the most we can do analyze trends and just see like what we got and see how it works i can't predict raheem moster going out in the first quarter with injury that's the type of stuff that just doesn't come to mind and <laughs> my thing and and no absolutely like 
I had guys like Julio Jones in my lineup, Aaron Jones and stuff like, and all these big guys. And it's like, holy crap, these guys did absolutely nothing. Aaron Rodgers going out with like two picks within three possessions. And it's like, what does this guy do? Aaron Rodgers got outscored by some kickers this year. This is not an endorsement to take kickers over Aaron Rodgers. This is just a fun stat from the weekend. Oh, absolutely. And I was <laughs> laughing at that stat so much. I was like, oh my God. And then you see Jordan Love come in. It's like, oh, I didn't expect to see Jordan Love week one in the NFL. If Jordan Love would have scored a touchdown, he might have outscored Aaron Rodgers for the day. How crazy would that have been? Oh, that would have been insane. Everyone's like, oh, pick Jordan Love out of the waivers. He's going to start over Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> for a second there, for a minute second, I thought Trey Lance would have outscored Jimmy Garoppolo just from sheerly having that touchdown at the start of the game. Some of the oddities, some of these like performances won't really be indicative of what's going to happen for the rest of the year. There's going to be some regression. There's going to be some progression from offenses. And we'll get into it. That's what we're really going to do on this one. We're going to go through each position. We're going to talk about some of the guys who will be finishing among that elite tier and some of the guys who will be falling out of it because week one is not by any means going to set the standard for the rest of the year for some of these guys. Everyone can come out hot. Everyone thinks they're going to go undefeated in week one. Even the bad teams don't know they're bad yet, so they come out to play. Although I think it should have been pretty apparent for the Jaguars, they are a bad team. Uh, Houston didn't believe so, and I paid the price of picking the Jaguars to beat them this year. And yeah, I mean, who knew that Houston would come on to some melee, just blow the water with Jacksonville? Like, and that was very unexpected. But also, too, you got to think there's a rookie quarterback in Jacksonville, and he's going to play like a rookie. He's not going to sit there and be gung-ho, going crazy, you know, being the best quarterback in the NFL. We can't expect that from a rookie. And he learned very quickly, like, oh, shoot, this is the NFL. This is a lot more quicker. I made mistakes like interception that one of the interceptions he threw was, you know, a simple read where he could have just dumped it off to the running back right next to him. And he just didn't even realize it and just threw an interception. It's like he's sitting there banging his head like, oh, shoot, I have a running back that I could throw it to. <laughs> I'm sure he would have loved to have someone like Travis Etienne on the field, some kind of like little playmaker there. We all got burned by the James Robinson pick. Obviously, good juju, bad juju. Mm-hmm. That didn't pay off for us this week as he had about, what, 50 rushing yards. Game script wasn't really in his favor. But if you are a Trevor Lawrence owner or someone believes in Trevor Lawrence in fantasy a uh, very optimistic week because he still had three passing touchdowns he still had a lot of passing mm-hmm. yards he had the three picks but you don't really care that much about it in fantasy it's very rarely do those cost you I remember back in the day you used to pick up Tony Romo ah Romo he throws interceptions I don't care he throws for 500 yards and three touchdowns that's what's gonna win that's what matters oh, yeah. it's like Jameis Winston like yeah Jameis Winston throws for 30 interceptions a season but he also throws for 30 touchdowns and he'll throw for 435 yards a game and that gets you points Good transition there. Speaking of Jameis, five passing touchdowns. That's what I'm talking about. That was the late round value that I was expecting and planning on in every draft I possibly could because I just had a feeling Jameis, he's just going to come in and ball. Why are we so down on the Saints offense? Do we not remember that Sean Payton is one of the best offensive coaches in the league? Do we not remember that Jameis Winston was a number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Good things were going to happen. It's just going to be a matter of can he cut off the turnovers? And he did have one overturned, thankfully, for Jameis, because everyone would have just roasted him on Twitter. But some of its parts, five passing touchdowns, not a lot of yards, not a lot of attempts, didn't really have to throw the ball a lot because obviously it was such a runaway game for them. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that LASIK really did a number for him because it looks like I actually could see who he's throwing the ball to. And he's like, oh, we're white. So I'm going to throw it to a white jersey instead of a brown jersey or a green jersey. <laughs> you know, unlike last year, where he's throwing for 30 interceptions a season. And it's like, okay, he got his eyes checked out. He got his eyes fixed. He looked really good. He looked like a competent quarterback in the NFL. And who knew that the New Orleans Saints would blow out Green Bay by a lot to a little, what, 38 to like 10 or 7? 38 like, to 3. 38 to 3. So even worse. So it's beyond crazy. And like you said, Sean Payne's one of the best offensive minds in football. And people seem to forget that. They seem to forget that they have a good offensive line. They forget that they have Alvin Kamara on the backfield. Like they forget a lot of this stuff. It's like the Saints aren't going to just die. They're going to be good. They still are going to be decent football team. Did you catch Jameis's little soundbite about preparedness and what his trainer was telling him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was one of the best I've ever seen. Remember, you got to be prepared. And he like, was telling us a lot of great stuff that I remembered. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just about being prepared or something. <laughs> it's like, this guy's a walking soundbite. Uh, I, I just will never forget E to W. The fact, I want Jameis Winston to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to be honest. I want Jameis Winston to win a Super Bowl. And when he gets on stage, I want him to eat that W. With the Lombardia's hands, just... <laughs> we got to eat that W. <laughs> that has to be his ultimate pep speech before the game too that has to be what he pulls everyone in michael thomas elvin gamara sean payne get in here we're gonna eat this w together guys how oh, is yeah, this even dude, a that... quarterback competition honestly you just look at Jameis winston's skill set versus Taysom hill sean payton we knew you were lying come on now i even saw that Taysom hill might not even be the backup they're gonna put ian book as the second string backup and then they're gonna use Taysom hill as just more or less a running back and a wide receiver at this point see that makes sense that's how you properly use Taysom hill because if you want to get the most out of him if you want to put him in weird formations play him at tight end play him at running back fullback wide receiver whatever you're doing with him gunner then you put him as the third string guy so he doesn't risk hurting himself or having to play the full amount of stamps at quarterback because that takes away from the mystery that takes away from what Taysom Hill does well and I, I, that's why it just never made sense for me him to just be the locked in starter it's not like you could bring in Jameis Winston for just a play or two you know yeah, exactly. And Taysom Hill is actually really good with the football in his hands. He can make plays happen. But, you know, like you said, being a starting quarterback, he's not that great of a passer. He's more like, as an Ohio State fan, I saw a lot in Braxton Miller and Barrett and guys like that. They're very good runners with the ball. You know, they may not be competent quarterbacks because in college, it's, it's easier because, you know, it's college. You know, you're going to throw for 600 yards a game. It doesn't matter who you are. But when you come into the NFL, guys like Taysom Hill, Barrett, Braxton Miller, they're not going to be good quarterbacks in the NFL. But where are they good at? They're good at catching the ball. They're good at running the football. So you put them in those skill sets like, oh, we're going to throw you a wide receiver or as like a wildcat quarterback just running the football. And that's what they're good at. Yeah, I think it was really just paid in wanting to say, I found this guy off the scrap heap and I made something out of him in the same way he grabbed Drew Brees when no one really wanted him. Obviously, he got passed on by the Dolphins coming off that rotator cuff surgery and turns him into Hall of Famer. I think he saw a little bit of that in Taysom Hill and wanted to do the same. But why not do that with Jameis Winston, the guy coming back off of that year that everyone makes fun of him for just is equally a good story. And the talent is there. And I think Sean Payton is going to be very happy that he made the decision to stick with Jameis. That may have been a quarterback competition but i think that's a perfect segue into talk about quarterback competitions in your lineup so let's go through the top 12 quarterbacks and see who's in there see if there's any surprises there anyone that really stands out so i'm going to throw this out to you pose the question like this as i go through these guys i want you to say stud or dud for me drew okay so starting with the number one guy i think this one should be pretty obvious kyler murray 289 yards four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown on the day stud or dud drew 
Oh, absolute stud. I mean, this guy is a phenomenal quarterback, especially a guy from my height at five foot ten. Like he is very, very good. He's very fast. He can get away from the pocket and make good throws on the run. At this point, he just needs to get away from Cliff Kingsbury at this point. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that, but you know. I, I don't know. As a fantasy owner, I, I could go either way on it. I think Cliff's actually good from that standpoint. I don't know if he's good from yeah. the actual real life football standpoint. <laughs> That's where it comes to odds. Okay. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> Obvious one. Next one just as obvious Patrick Mahomes 337 yards three touchdowns on the day breaking your Cleveland Browns heart stud or dud Drew absolute dud no I'm just kidding he's a stud (laughs) um I mean there's nothing that this man cannot do I mean he's just the complete quarterback in the NFL like he's in there throwing sidearm passes under Lyman's arms and I mean we saw in the Super Bowl he was pretty much on his back just making the most perfect throws sidearm laying down on the ground it's like who is this guy who created this monster and he's one of the most reliable quarterbacks and like you said like he broke our hearts and we were up 22 to 10 at one point and I mean I knew the game wasn't over I could just feel as like shit Patrick Mahomes is gonna come back and he's I think he's gonna pull this off and people are like no don't say that don't say that we got I was like it's Patrick Mahomes you can't say we're gonna win this Patrick Mahomes he, he will come back it's kind of like a snake you know when they're backed up in the corner that's when they're most lethal that's exactly what the Chiefs offense is like oh yeah like you think you're like oh we got a good chance and it's like nope here comes Patrick Mahomes here comes Tyreek Hill here comes Travis Kelsey and I was shocked that we held Travis Kelsey to under 100 yards that was very shocking to me and I was like that's at least one accomplishment we can say we did <laughs> yeah that venom strike from Tyreek Hill to <laughs> Patrick Mahomes that's exactly what I mean by that snake comment okay well that's an obvious one next one not so obvious but i'm all in on this guy Jameis winston we just talked about him five passing touchdowns on the day 14 for 20 148 yards Jameis winston rest of the year stud or dud I think he could be a real stud. He looked very good yesterday. Like, I'm not saying like he's going to do this every game, throw for five touchdowns and no interceptions. Obviously, every quarterback's going to throw interceptions. It's just the nature of the game. But he looked so good. He looked so comfortable. And with a guy like Sean Payne with a great offensive mind, I think he can really do some damage on this team. And especially when he gets guys like Traquan Smith back and maybe even Michael Thomas running his slant routes, he could be even better. And you got Alvin Kamara right behind you, you can throw to, and who's going to be very effective. For me, I think he could be an absolute stud. I think this is going to be one of the seasons where he doesn't surpass 25 interceptions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this one, kind of an oddball at number four, Jared Goff, 338 yards, three passing touchdowns, one pick, through 57 times in the game. Rest of the year, 2021, Drew, stutter dud Jared Goff. I think he's going to be a dud. And I'm not saying because Jared Goff is a bad name. He's a very average NFL quarterback. He was good under Sean McVay just for the fact that he had a great offensive line. He was put in a very good position. But now you're in Detroit. You're in a tough situation. You got a brand new head coach in Dan Campbell. You got a pretty much a brand new offensive line. You really don't have receivers. The only receiver you really have is tight end TJ Hawkinson as your big time receiver. You have DeAndre Swift behind you who can also catch a football, but this is going to be a true test for Jared Goff and what he can do in a real setting. He, he played pretty good. He looked really solid and he almost mounted a comeback against your 49ers, but I don't think he's going to do this every single game or even come close to this every single game of the season. Here's the one thing I will say about Jared Goff. So yes, I was surprised to see that he finished within the top five when it was all said and done. 
Right. But we do expect the Detroit Lions to be a pretty bad team this year. In fantasy, bad teams have fantasy value because especially at the quarterback position, if you're constantly trailing in games, you're constantly having to play keep up, then there is some fantasy value to be mined. I don't expect Jared Goff to throw 57 times each and every game. Exactly. If he's throwing 40 times, you might have an opportunity there just to get some easy points. He's probably in that quarterback two range, if we're being honest. He's probably like a emergency start. But in the right matchup situation, I could see there being potential with Jared Goff. At number five, we got Jalen Hurts, 264 yards, three passing touchdowns, absolutely curb stomp the Atlanta Falcons, uh, stutter dud Jalen Hurts. I think this year he could be a stud. I mean, he looked very good. He him and Devontae Smith looked excellent together. And he was running the ball very effectively. And I just like what he does. I think he could be one of those sneaky studs that comes out in fantasy. I mean, I started him in our league that we do together in our podcast league. And me and Austin were like, Jalen Hurts could be that surprise guy. And he was, he got over 30 points and he really showed what he can do. And the factor for me is, can he be consistent now? You had a very good first game of the season, but now it's all about consistency. Can you keep producing at a high level like you did? You got injury prone guys behind you. You got Miles Sanders, who's a very injury prone. Jalen Rager proved to be injury prone last season. You got to make sure your guys stay healthy. But I think he could be one of those secret sneaky studs throughout the season. Okay, Dak Prescott at six, 403 yards, three passing touchdowns, uh, interception, threw almost 60 times, 42 for 58 in that game against Tampa. Stutter dud. As much as I hate the Cowboys, I have to say he's a stud. I mean, he's probably one of the better fantasy quarterbacks you can draft. And it's just in the numbers. He He's a guy who reminds me of like a Matthew Stafford, a guy who can just consistently throw for 300 yards a game, no matter the situation and, you know, just get you points and get you points. I mean, him and Amari Cooper were clicking against one of the best defenses in the NFL and they almost won against Tampa Bay. And for me personally, I like Dak Prescott. He, he looked good off that shoulder injury. It looked like that didn't even affect him at all. And his ankle, again, didn't really seem to affect him. He didn't seem to wince once. He was running, he was moving, and he just looked like his old self again. He looked like a very effective quarterback. And if all goes well with Mike McCarthy, obviously he's a stud no matter what because he is a one of these solid and one of the best fantasy quarterbacks to draft. If you're a listener, you don't need us to tell you that these next two guys are good. So just rapid fire through these, both studs, correct. Tom Brady, 379 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, 32 for 50. Russell Wilson, 18 for 23, 254 yards, and four passing touchdowns. Stud, correct? Absolutely, 100% studs. Okay, let's talk about number nine. Matthew Stafford, 20 for 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Matthew Stafford has always been that fringe QB1 for the most part. Can he maintain his stud status and stay within that top 12, Drew? Oh, absolutely. Now he's in the most competent offense in the NFL. He's got Sean McVay, like, who's like Sean Payne, a very good offensive mind. He's got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He's actually got real wide receivers since Calvin Johnson. He's got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. He's got a good tight end and Tyler Higby. He's actually got very good players to work with and a good offense. And you saw what he can do with a legitimate offense that's not Detroit style. He looked very, very, very good. And I, I think he could do some damage this season. 
I was very impressed by Matthew Stafford's performance. The fact he has that home run ball in his back pocket. I picked him up in a lot of leagues, expecting him to, yes, finish in that top 10. This makes sense. It was a perfect marriage between him and Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. Plenty of weapons on the outside. And I expect big things from Matthew Stafford on the year. I think this is going to be his second 5,000-yard passing season in his career. At number 10, though, 34 for 56. So we had a lot of guys throw for almost 50 times, 60 times in the game. It's crazy. <laughs> 435 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Derek Carr finishes a top 10 QB this week. Stutter dud. Will he finish within the top 10 uh, more consistently throughout this season? I'm going to say dud. I don't think he's going to finish as a top 10 quarterback. He'll be top 15 very easily, but I'm not going to lie. He looked actually really good tonight, and I was very surprised against a very good, solid Ravens defense and especially a good defensive line from the Ravens. He looked really good, but the problem for me is he has to heavily rely on Darren Waller a lot. He has to heavily rely on Josh Jacobs a lot. And I mean, there's plays where, yeah, he hit Henry Ruggs. He hit, you know, Hunter Renfro. But every time he throws the ball, he's always looking towards the way of Darren Waller, seeing where he's at. It's and then not trying a bad to guy adjust. to go to, though, in all no, fairness, in his defense. Darren 19 times looking at Darren Waller. I would look at Darren Waller 19 times if I was playing quarterback. <laughs> oh, 100%. When you have the best tight end in the NFL, I would seriously just sit there and be like, okay, where is he all over the field? <laughs> best tight end in the NFL. You might start stirring some shit there on that one. I like to stir some shit around a little bit. <laughs> okay, well, Derek Carr, as far as his overall long-term projections, he was getting chased around a lot. Uh, I think that mm -hmm. Raiders offensive line that was kind of pieced together this offseason, they gave up a lot of veterans, obviously, Ronnie Hudson, Gabe Jackson. I, I think that that's going to impact them more than they think. And we saw a little bit of wrinkles of that in this game in particular. But overall, good performance from Derek Carr. He's going to have games like this when he finishes in the top 10. But as is his history, not a reliable fantasy option. And I don't see that changing. Uh, number 11, another kind of surprise pick. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, 21 for 33, 291 yards, two touchdowns. Stud or dud, Drew? Remember, in Buffalo that last year with them, he did have a top 12 fantasy finish i would have to say dud unfortunately i just can't see him even finishing close to the top 10 maybe not even in the top 15 i mean he's just one of those guys who is a career backup quarterback and he's gonna be probably one of the next ryan fitzpatrick's who's just gonna bounce from team to team around the league and i really just can't see him being a top 15 fantasy quarterback let alone even a top 10 fantasy quarterback Okay, rounding out the top 12, 36 for 49, 351 yards, two touchdowns for Kirk Cousins against the Cincinnati Bengals. Dud or Dudrew? I would have to say Dud. I mean, I like Kirk Cousins. I think he's a very good quarterback. And a lot of people are saying like, wow, you think he's a very good quarterback? I mean, yeah, he's in the right system. He has good players. He's got Justin Jefferson, one of the best young receivers in the NFL. He's got Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL. And yeah, he's got weapons around him. And he makes very good decisions. I've always compared him and Baker together because they remind me of the same person, guys who are very good at play action and guys who rely on the run a lot to make that play action happen. And when he does that, he's a very good quarterback. And I mean, he did lead a comeback to send the game into overtime. So he shows that he could be a good game manager and lead his team downfield when he needs it the most. But do I think he could finish in the top 12? There's potential because he is one of those quarterbacks that what in the last five years, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards a season. So it's not like he's awful, but in fantasy terms, he really hasn't been successful because I've had him in fantasy leagues and there's games where I'll put him in because like the Bengals, it's an easy matchup and he could get a lot of points. But when it comes to games like Tampa Bay and stuff like that, can you really rely on him to make good decisions and play well and their offensive line isn't the greatest either 
Okay, we're going to change it up for this next little bit here. So we have some quarterbacks that are traditionally linked to the top 12 that finished outside of it. I want you to give me a 1 to 10, 10 being automatic start on these guys next week. So Lamar Jackson finished at quarterback 20 this week, uh, 235 yards and a touchdown, had 86 yards on the ground. He faces Kansas City at home next week, Sunday night football. 1 to 10, Drew, what's your confidence meter in him? I mean, I think you always start Lamar Jackson no matter what. I think he goes as an eight. I'm very confident in him, but just watching the Kansas City game the other day, Kansas City just looks like a very complete team. Chris Jones looks really good. Tyron Matthew, I'm expecting him to be back next week. And we all know that Lamar does struggle in the air, especially when he throws the ball 15 plus yards. And so the real thing is, can this offensive line hold them? It depends. And I'm not saying they're bad offensive. They're one of the better O-lines in the league. But we have to think, it's just Kansas City. And they're one of the most, if not the most difficult team to beat. And we saw that with the Browns. Like, you can be a big, but no matter what, they're going to come back. And the thing is, is Lamar Jackson going to be able to have that, you know, running ability? Or is he going to run all over the Chiefs? I don't really think so. I think the Chiefs can contain them they have before and the coaching staff over in Kansas City are saying listen if we can just hold Lamar on the ground we're going to force him to throw and that's how we're going to beat Baltimore we're going to force Lamar Jackson to throw we're going to keep him contained on the run okay I want to rapid fire through the next couple so if it's okay uh, more than five go ahead and just we'll move on to the next one if it's less than five, then we'll sit and talk for it a little bit here. Um, the next one down at 25, Ryan Tannehill, 212 yards, a touchdown and interception. He faces Seattle next week. Confidence meter, Ryan Tannehill. I'd say a five. Okay, so then this is someone to talk about. Uh, so Seattle's defense against Indianapolis last week. Uh, Carson Wentz also finished uh, rather low in the quarterback rankings. He finished his quarterback 18. I'm actually closer on the start, Ryan Tannehill, because I think that this is an opportunity for a big bounce back week for Tennessee. I think a lot of people are going to look at their week one performance and instantly fade all their guys i think it's going to be the opposite reaction i think those guys got embarrassed in week one and they're going to want to come out in a big way and i agree like i had julio jones and nearly got me four points and i was like wow i was expecting a lot of more julio jones in the first game but we saw those mistakes and i truly think they can bounce back but the reason why i'm more in the middle of the row for ryan Tannehill is because he is going to seattle seattle does have a good healthy defense again and the thing is can he really break out in this second game i would like to think so but i'm not going to base it off of a week one performance where I'm like, all right, I'm going to fade everybody that's in Tennessee. Like, I'm going to immediately drop Julio to my bench. Ryan, I have Ryan Kingdom in a lot of my leagues because he was the most available quarterback that I could get. That's I thought was going to be really good. And I think he can finish in the top 15. He was very good last year and the year prior. But I think in these tough matchups, it might be a little bit harder to start him. But I'm not saying, oh, just throw him on your bench. Who knows? Maybe he might be a good super flex option. I'm not saying a ranking on him. Where do you see him finishing on in the QB ranks? Just off the top of your head next week against Seattle. I just see 13 or 14. Okay. In the 13, 14 range. Okay. So that would put him outside of the QB one range. Okay. That's fair. So obviously flex to QB league. I'm thinking a big bounce back week for Tennessee. So I might put him a little bit more in that seven to 10 range myself. So we have a little bit of a difference there in where we would rank him. Uh, Justin Herbert uh, finished with 337 yards, one touchdown against the Washington defense this week at home. They're welcoming him in the Cowboys one to 10, Justin Herbert. Honestly, I gave this a six or seven. I think against the Cowboys, Justin Herbert's proved himself. I mean, he looks really good. And Keenan, that's why Allen, I'm more shocked at a six, though. <laughs> 
the game's in LA, isn't it? Yeah. So at home, which okay, I yeah. guess could be a road game for uh, the Chargers based off their recent history. Oh yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but now that I realize it's a home game, I could probably move that up to seven or an eight. But also too, I have to say he is a sophomore quarterback and there are lots of quarterbacks who fall into sophomore slumps. As far as I've seen, he, he looks really good. And, and the thing that kind of bumps me down a little bit towards like, I'm not super confident is because he has a rookie head coach and that kind of fades me down just a little bit. But I mean, he seemed to prove that he can still be very very good with a rookie head coach and you know just an average o-line and he's got good receivers he's got mike williams he's got keenan allen who's a good receiver austin eckler if he stays healthy enough <laughs> he, he could be a good option but you know i like justin herbert and i have him in a couple leagues and i put a lot of faith in him um, you know, all things considered, fit, throwing for over 300 yards against Washington, didn't have the touchdown luck that you would like. I think that was a decent fantasy day given the opponent. So coming back against mm-hmm. Dallas, I think this is a locked in start. I think he might be a top five quarterback this week against Dallas, even despite the home road crowd, because, you know, SoFi is going to be loaded with Cowboys fans. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that, that stadium's going to be rocking with Cowboys fans. They have a ton in the LA area. I think the Chargers might legit be the fifth favorite team in the LA area code. They probably are. They're probably the fifth favorite team in the West Coast, or if not the latter. I mean, I, I think there's more Raiders fans in LA than any other yeah. Ra- fan base. Then you probably go the Rams. I think the Cowboys might be next. Yeah. Then the Niners, I think, probably have a lot of fans in LA. Then I would say it's probably the Chargers. Pretty sad for that move. I don't know how long they're going to stick out there in LA, but uh, that is what it is. Uh, moving there's the- probably more Detroit fans over there in LA than there are Chargers fans. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think <laughs> there's not a lot of Detroit fans to begin with. I don't think there's enough Detroit fans in Detroit. Actually, no, they got a pretty loyal fan base. What am I saying? Oh, really yeah, they got a decent fan base. Yeah, very you know sad. you have to be loyal to sit through a winless year. I mean, obviously, Drew, you know all about that. I'm going to say we know all about that here in Cleveland. We threw a parade for that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's fly through these next couple positions. Really, I'll I'll mention the top 12 and any particular surprise names that stand out. We'll go through them. Okay. So number one, Christian McCaffrey, obvious 21 attempts, 98 yards, didn't land in the end zone, had nine receptions, 89 yards, doing everything. Joe Mixon, 127 yards, had a touchdown on the day. Nick Chubb, your boy, two touchdowns. Jamal Williams had eight receptions that really elevated his fantasy day. DeAndre Swift behind him, 39 yards, big touchdown through the air, 65 yards, eight receptions as well. Melvin Gordon, 101 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery, 108 yards and a touchdown as well. Dalvin Cook, 20 attempts, 61 yards, touchdown. Tyson Williams had a touchdown on the day, so taking control of that Ravens backfield. Alvin Kamara, 20 attempts, 83 yards, three receptions for eight yards, and a TD. Josh Jacobs, two TDs on the day. And then Niners running back Elijah Mitchell with 104 yards and a touchdown. Okay, Drew, I think probably the biggest surprises here are those two Lions running backs at four and five, respectively. And the fact that both of them finished within the top five, I, I think is even more shocking. The Lions ground game, I, I didn't have much confidence in Jared Goff. Do you have any confidence in this Lions backfield moving forward? I mean, 16 receptions between the both of them, surprising. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I really like DeAndre Swift a lot. And just for the fact that his backup produced just as well. Like, I mean, there might be something there in the backfield in Detroit and he might have to go heavy. And Dan Campbell might say, Hey, we might have to go heavy on the running backs this year. We might not be able to throw a lot. We might not throw 50 times a game. We might have to do what Cleveland does. And that's use your running backs a lot and just throw less. 
Yeah, I mean, 16 receptions. Obviously, I think this is a big part of the game script, you know, comeback mode against the Niners. Mm -hmm. And I think Jared Goff, a little bit of a dinker and dunker. And I think there's some opportunity to be mined. Jamal Williams is probably the better pass catcher of the two. Yeah. Uh, but you're starting DeAndre Swift, though I think this might move Jamal Williams closer to that flex consideration if he's able to replicate this type of value in the Lions offense. Uh, the next guy at number six, let's talk about him. Malvin Gordon, were we too quick to say Javante Williams is going to be the starter in Denver? Because Gordon, I know he had a long touchdown. I remember seeing on the highlights, but he still got the work, you know, he still looks fast. He was able to have breakaway speed against the Giants. Can Melvin Gordon actually turn some heads this year and remain the starter in Denver? Oh, I think so. And I think Melvin Gordon still got a little bit in him. He, like you said, he looked extremely well. And I saw that touchdown and he, he looked like he still had that burst of speed like he used to. And I'm really liking him. Now, I wouldn't say that Javante Williams is too far away from the starting role, but I could sit there and think that, you know, Melvin Gordon is still going to get a pretty decent workload. And then obviously during the course of the season, I'm sure we're going to see a more even workload between the both of them. So you might see Javante getting about the same amount and, you know, they're going to be splitting the work. Okay. I think the next new name on this list is going to be Tyson Williams at nine. So Latavius Murray did get a touchdown in this game. Nine attempts. It's going to be a little bit of an even split there. Tyson Williams, where do you rank him? Is he more running back two, running back three for you? I think he's low end running back two, just for the fact that him and Latavius Murray are going to get those split touches. And I can't really say he's fully on running back two because he's more likely going to be the guaranteed starter for the season. But if him and Latavius Murray are going to get the shared touches, because you also have to think too, they also have Lev Bell back there as well. I believe they signed Devontae Freeman as well. So they, they have... just need to sign Todd Gurley to complete the set. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, Todd Gurley just complete the injury set, but... <laughs> But um, I think he he'll he'll get the touches. But like I said, Latavius Murray's going to get the shared touches as well, and I can't be confident saying that he's going to be the RB two. So I'd say he's going to be a low end RB two on the cusp of RB three. Okay, at twelve, Elijah Mitchell finishing with nineteen attempts, one hundred four yards. Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch in this game, and Raheem Mostert got put on IR for the next eight weeks. Elijah Mitchell is a guy I am putting not all my fab, I should say but at least 25% or more of my fab into this week. I want to share the Niners backfield. I don't know if it's going to be a Mitchell. It's going to be hasty. It's going to be Sermon. I know it's not going to be Raheem Moster for the next eight weeks. I want Elijah Mitchell. He had that breakaway speed. That's one thing I noticed in that game. And obviously the fact that he was out there um, with Trey Sermon on the bench in street clothes, I, I think is a big message to the locker room that says he's Kyle Shanahan thinks he's a little bit better than Trey Sermon. What do you think of this development? Is Trey Sermon your number one waiver target this week? I'd have to go with Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he looks extremely well. Oh, did I say, and... did I say Trey Sermon? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I was going to say Trey Sermon for a second too, so I almost messed it up too. <laughs> so Too many Niners no, backs. <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say, just like the Ravens, there's too many backs back in, in San Francisco. And, you know, I feel bad for Raheem Mostert because he's such a good running back, and but he just keeps getting played with injury after injury. And soon enough, I think the 49ers are going to have to have a long talk about what they're going to do with Raheem Mostert. And I I feel like that's the reason why they drafted Trey Sermon in the first place is because they don't know if he's going to keep being healthy or not. And seeing 
Elijah Mitchell just fall out and have that burst of speed. I was, I was like, oh my God, this guy could be an Instagram. And I mean, in my dynasty league, someone just after that game, he they literally just snatched him up immediately. And I'm like, I mean, hey, that's a good pickup right there. He could be something. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with Trey Sermon because if he does come back within the next week, which I'm sure he will be. He was healthy. I, he just got scratched just because. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel with OBJ too, but... <laughs> I don't know if they're going to split the carries and split the touches or if they're going to try and go with Trey Sermon to start and see how he feels and see how he does. And if they don't really like him, they just might go back to Elijah Mitchell because they saw that 104 yards and they're like, this guy's pretty freaking good. You know, he actually had a great fucking game and we like what we saw from him. And so I don't know what Kyle Shanahan has planned over there, but if he's available, like you said, I'd spend quite a bit good of fob on him. Yeah, and behind him too, I would probably throw some bucks at Jamichael Hasty as well. I just want a oh, yeah. piece of this backfield. And I think Jamichael Hasty, undrafted rookie last year, the team brought him back. He excelled in preseason. I would say that he has as much a role and opportunity to start in this Niners backfield too. Either way, like you just want to get at least one of these guys on your roster. If you have Trey Sermon, don't drop Trey Sermon because he was a healthy scratch. If you are number one on waivers, put that all in on Elijah Mitchell and hell, throw a few bucks at Jermichael Hasty as well. Okay, let's talk about guys who finished outside of the top 24 even. So some studs that played like duds. Let's talk about Derrick Henry finishing at running back 29 on the week, 17 attempts, 58 yards. Obviously, we know that running backs who run for 2,000 yards, the history goes for the next season. It's not as productive. Mentioned it earlier, Tennessee will be in Seattle next week. Are you concerned about Derrick Henry? Not really. Derrick Henry is a very good and very smart running back, but I do remember that styling of guys who run rush for over two thousand yards having kind of a slump year, and I can I can definitely Whoa, see that for us. The slump. We don't do slumps on this one here, man. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But but no, I could definitely see him having a big setback, but that's not going to stop him. I mean, he's Derrick Henry. He's he's a very efficient, a very good back. And obviously everyone has a bad game. And for him, that was his bad game. Who knows? He could bounce back and have a big monstrous game against Seattle. You know, he could get like 15 carries and he could rush for maybe like 110 yards and just be like, listen, that was just a bad game. Now I'm back. All right. So I, I think he could definitely bounce back, but you know, he could have kind of a... Just a little bit of a down year. I'd say not 2,000 rushing yards this season, but more or less more like a 13, 1,400, maybe 1,500 yard season. Okay, at running back 33, we had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, Sunday night game next week against Baltimore. Are you still starting him with confidence? How are you feeling about Clyde this year? Obviously, people were down on him after last year. I mean, I'm starting to go down on him a little bit as well because seeing what he did against the Browns defense, he did not look impressive. And it looked like the Chiefs like to throw the ball a lot and not run the ball so much. So I would start thinking about putting him more in the flex position just because it seems like Andy Reid does not like running the football anymore because he's like, oh, I got a golden arm and Patrick Mahomes. I'm just going to throw the deep every single play (laughs) to Tyreek Hill and to Travis Kelsey. And I mean, by all means, it's working. And he just didn't seem to be very effective just running when he did get the opportunities. I mean, he had probably four yards to carry, which it's not terrible. That's actually a decent day for some for running backs. But we saw because the Browns have a good pass rush defense. They're going up against another good pass rush defense in Baltimore, which I think is better than the Browns. And I think this could prove to be another difficult night for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
James Robinson and Carlos Hyde finished back-to-back at 38 and 39. Uh, James Robinson had eight touches, whereas Carlos Hyde had 11. Are you starting any of the Jags running backs against Denver next week? It would have to be a low-end flex option. I mean, James Robinson, like we, like you said earlier, we got fooled with him. And the fact that he got less touches than Carlos Hyde, I mean, I was just kind of shy. Now, I don't know if that's the brain of Urban Meyer going to work, and maybe he's just looking to get that USC job <laughs> and just getting the heck out of Jacksonville. But I like James Robinson. I think he could be a breakout star in the NFL. But if he's not going to get the touches and touches going to Carlos Hyde, it's going to be difficult for me to start James Robinson now. Obviously, I think this week you should probably keep him in your lineup just in case because it could just been a fluke game for him. But if he continues to not get the touches and loses touches to Carlos Hyde, then I think you start slowly going to the flex option with him, maybe even putting someone else in the starting position ahead of him. Bookmark that one because if Jacksonville continues to not be competitive in these games and fall behind early, that's going to take away a lot of early down work from James Robinson, and that is going to be detrimental to his fantasy value. Okay, two guys, we were thinking elite. These guys are going to be automatics every week. Najee Harris at 43 and Zeke at 45. Out of these two guys, who do you think is more likely for a bounce back? Najee has the Rams at home next week. And Dallas, uh, they are playing the Chargers on the road. I would say Zeke. I would take the veteran here. And it's nothing against Najee Harris, but just looking at the Steelers' offensive line, it didn't look that impressive against the Bills. Now, no, don't get me wrong, they did beat the Bills, but Najee got swallowed up quite a bit. And there's times where he just couldn't even get out of the backfield as soon as he touched the ball. And that's going to be the main concern for him all season long, especially going against a lot of these big pass rushing teams. So, or no, sorry, it, it's the Raiders next week. I sorry, I misread that one on my sheet. But oh, the Raiders, okay, that might be a, a good. Bit- that changes things do you put Najee over Zeke then mentioning this the Raiders yeah I think so just because now that we know it's not the Rams I was gonna say is like he's gonna get chewed up by Aaron Donald all game long I don't think he's gonna have a very successful evening but (laughs) now that we mentioned this the Raiders I feel a little bit better to start Najee Harris and be like okay this could be a big bounce back game for him he could get more touches he can get more at least a little bit more receptions going his way as well but again that offensive line does concern me still for this Pittsburgh Steelers no matter who they're playing and for Zeke, too, speaking of offensive line, Leo Collins going on a five-game suspension, that's yeah. a big part of the story, too. They already were down Zach Martin, so between those two guys being out, uh, that's concerning for the uh, Dallas Cowboys moving forward. Um, and certainly Zeke, uh, they seem more prone to wanting to pass the ball. I think what's going to benefit that team, obviously, is being more balanced, but Mike McCarthy hasn't shown a propensity to get Zeke involved, and I think that's concerning. Okay, well, let's you know shift away from the running backs. Let's talk about these top wide receivers. At number one for the week, speaking of the prolific Dallas passing game, 13 receptions for Amari, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill right behind him, 11 receptions, 197 yards, and a touchdown. Debo Samuel representing the Bay well, 190 yards, nine receptions, a touchdown, had one big 79-yard touchdown that kind of inflated his day, but even still the nine receptions. Great start this season for Debo Samuel. Adam Thielen, nine receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen is not dead, folks. He's still on this roster, and Kirk Cousins still likes finding him. Corey Davis, breakout season on the way. Five receptions, 97 yards, two touchdowns. He had some good juju on his side, and that paid off. So you're welcome, folks. (laughs) Tyler Lockett, 
four receptions, 100 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins behind him, six receptions, 83 yards, two touchdowns. A lot of multi-touchdown games here. Christian Kirk, five receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns. So two Cardinals receivers back-to-back in the rankings. Antonio Brown, I was telling people, get him all year. Five receptions, 121 yards and a touchdown. Sterling Shepard emerging in the Giants wide receiving core. Seven receptions, 113 yards and a TD. Cooper Cup, seven receptions, 108 yards and a TD. Wide open (laughs) against the Bears. There wasn't even a Bears defender in sight for him. That touchdown was one of the biggest highlights of the week. Uh, C.D. Lamb rounding out the top 12, seven receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Most surprising name on this list to you, Drew? There's a lot of surprising names on that list, but for me... I would say Adam Thielen. Now, don't get me wrong. Adam Thielen is an amazing wide receiver. Very reliable. Very, very good. But the fact that he had a monstrous game, I can see him being productive, but I don't see him getting monstrous games like that. And especially with you have the young stud in Justin Jefferson, who you can just go anywhere with that guy. Finished just wide receiver 48, by the way. Exactly. And that's very shocking to me. Now, I don't see that happening for very long, but I, if I'm a lot of people, I'm sneaking Adam Thielen into a lineup and being like, like you say, he's not dead. He's still very much alive in this offense. And Kirk Cousins actually likes him a lot more than what people expect out of him. So if I'm a lot of people and he's available or you can try and get a decent trade out of him, I'd say go for it. He could be very crucial for people's lineups. Almost burned me in a league. Almost stole the victory for me. Adam Thielen, definitely his huge day stands out amongst here. I agree with you. It was surprising to me when we were ranking these guys and he was outside the top 50 average drafted wide receivers. Adam Thielen, uh, people were just writing him off because touchdown regression and he starts off the season with two touchdowns. Uh, I think that that just says that Kirk looks for him in particular in the end zone. I think that Justin Jefferson's good at stretching the field, but Thielen's great at getting open, uh, certainly in short yardage situations. And that's why I think that he is still going to make remain among that top 24 wide receivers on the year. I think Adam Thielen's not going anywhere, folks. I think he's around for another season at minimum. Uh, Other names here, Debo Samuel at three. I will be a little bit deprecating as a Niners fan and poo-poo on this one because the Niners don't really, this isn't the Niners style. This isn't how they win games. Brandon Ayuk had zero targets on the day. George Kittle's still around. They want to run the ball, keep it on the ground, folks. Uh, I don't see this kind of consistent value coming from Debo Samuel, even though I think he's a core piece in the Niners offense. Debo Samuel, where are you on him? Is he in that wide receiver one discussion? Or are you thinking like I'm thinking that he's more of a wide receiver three with upside? more with you on the wide receiver three with upside and don't get me wrong I had him in my dynasty league and he almost gave me a victory because I was like I need Debo to pop off and he popped off big time and but like you said there's other options there in the 49ers team you still have George Kittle I one of my leagues I started Brandon Ayuk over David Montgomery in the flex because I was like ooh, I like Brandon Ayuk a lot he's gonna be a very good receiver in this league and I saw the no targets and I'm like what is Shanahan doing what is this Sorry, team Drew. doing I was like <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like Brandon Ayuk didn't get nothing besides I got 0.7 points because he had a punt return for like seven yards. I was like, well, there, there goes my points. He, you know, he's getting punt returns now. (laughs) If you want an official explanation there, Shanahan said in his press conference post game that Ayuk was dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue within the last couple of weeks. And Trent Shurfield was battling hard in the preseason. And he thought it was more appropriate to give Trent Shurfield those snaps and opportunities. 
To which a lot of Niners fans said, well, if you're concerned about his hamstring, why do you have him returning punts? So there might be something to be elaborated on there between Shanahan, Brandon Ayuk. We know Kyle Shanahan's a little bit of a no-nonsense coach. And there Mm -hmm. was a thing by a prominent Niners beat reporter, Matt Mayoko, stating that Shanahan thought that Ayuk was still learning to be a pro. Keep an eye out on that one. Interesting story to follow, certainly. Um, Also in this top 10, Sterling Shepard finishing with seven receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. I don't foresee that one being a repeat performance. Yes, Shepard, I I think he is going to earn the majority of work, but... I have no confidence in him. I think that this is a guy that you can probably fade week to week. I think this is just one of those random weeks in the top 10 for a guy. Agreed. And I just don't trust the offensive line in New York period. And I really just don't trust Daniel Jones to be an effective quarterback. (laughs) Okay. Let's look for some studs who were duds. Uh, AJ Brown finishing at wide receiver 31. You mentioned you were slightly concerned, Ryan Tannehill. AJ Brown, what does this say for his long-term? I mean, I don't think this is going to be a long-term issue because I do think that they do bounce back eventually in this season. And, you know, like I said, I'm a little still concerned about week two going to Seattle or going against Seattle. But for me too, you also have to think they have Derrick Henry in the backfield. They still have Julio. They got Julio Jones in this offseason. So, you know, you're going to get him some work as well. I'm not saying AJ Brown is a guy that you just say, yikes we have to fade him like no obviously he's still going to be a very effective wide receiver he's going to finish in the wide top 15 wide receivers no matter what it's what he does he's a very good and effective receiver and even with the touches going to Julio quite a bit as well AJ Brown is one of the best receivers in football and you can't ignore that are you saying yikes though on a guy Kelvin Ridley finishing at wide receiver 60 on the week five receptions 51 yards well, apparently there's a dead body in Matt Ryan. I don't, <laughs> it, it might be like that. and But no, I, I don't know what happened in Atlanta because something just died in that stadium. I don't know if it's Kanye still hiding in Mercedes-Benz, but you know, if, if it, that's the case, you need to get Kanye out of there. Stop don't, 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 Yeah, maybe that's why Matt Ryan was laying dead on the field. (laughs) (laughs) One more time I hear Dunda, I'm done, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and what was that tweet that the offensive lineman made? I can't remember his last name, but he made a tweet saying, if you need a quarterback that needs protecting, you call me. And then he was in the picture just looking at Matt Ryan just laying on the ground. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. That's not a good one. <laughs> it's like, dude, one. everyone's like, yeah, you said you were going to protect them. Now he's like, they're dead with the tape around his body. <laughs> it reminds me of like Game of Thrones, uh, trial by combat and picking a champion. If that guy was his champion, the same reaction that Tyrion had whenever uh, the Spanish dude got killed by the mountain. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about some more receivers that struggled. Devontae Adams finished no better than Calvin Ridley finishing at wide receiver 58. I expect this is just a write-off. This is just one-off. Everyone in the Packers offense looked bad. Don't worry about that. Devontae Adams, he's in your lineup next week, guys. Don't worry. But Terry Mm -hmm. McLaurin at 57 is a different story because Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we said was going to inflate Terry McLaurin's value this year, he's not playing. He's out. He has a hip injury and is on the short-term IR. Terry McLaurin... Are you starting him in week two with Taylor Heineke as the quarterback against the Giants on Thursday night? 
I think so because it is you're going up against the Giants. I think the Giants' defense is still very much lackluster. And don't get me wrong, Taylor Heineke still looks pretty solid, especially just kind of going back from where he was last season. And I do trust that Taylor Heineke is going to make Terry McLaurin his number one guy and his number one receiver. So I think Terry McLaurin can get a lot of looks. Okay, say something nice about these next two. Ellen Robinson at 67, Mike Evans at 80. <laughs> For Allen Robinson, I mean, you just need to get a competent quarterback in that situation. I mean, there's nothing that he can do unless there's an actual quarterback in the, on the field. So for so Allen do you Robinson, hold tight on him, <laughs> or do you potentially think about putting that bench button? No, nah, I think you hold tight on him. You did go up against the LA Rams, so you did go up against one of the best defenses in football. So with Andy Dalton in the starting quarterback position going up against the Rams, it was a, a match made in heaven. Now, a match that has some bad juju. Am I right? Oh, another yeah, 100%. one we got you two that's two in the wind column for us oh yeah we're gonna do this all season long guys um but for uh oh god who's the other one we just mentioned see you're like brady you're forgetting about mike evans i know mike, <laughs> that's part of the problem exactly yeah i know i'm holding up fours for no reason um but he's like the fourth receiver on that team because tom brady just did not look his way whatsoever in that game i mean antonio brown big game Chris Godwin, big game. Wrong. But big game. Wrong. Big game. Mike Evans, where the hell were you on the field? <laughs> and, you know, one of the announcers said it best. Mike, you have Mike Evans, who's one of the best one-on-one receivers, a guy you can throw the ball to in the air, and he'll go up and get it. Tom Brady's like, oh, I don't like that matchup. And, ooh, Antonio Brown's there. Ooh, Chris Godwin's there. Ooh, Rob, you're in the end zone? I got you. And it's like you still have one of the best one-on-one wide receivers in the NFL on the outside that you can still throw to and he can get the ball. But again, I think this is one of those situations where I think you can keep Mike Evans in your starting lineup because Tom Brady's going to look at the film and be like, Mike, I missed you on a couple of throws. That's my bad. You were open or you had the better matchup and I just didn't look your way. And it's one of those situations, especially in Tampa Bay you you have a lot of weapons maybe too many weapons and someone's gonna have to be sacrificed each every game and that might be Mike Evans quite a bit this season okay at tight end kind of a crapshoot so we're not going to talk too much about it but I will circle back to something you said earlier in the podcast here Travis Kelsey versus Darren Waller if you're the Travis Kelsey owner I offer you Darren Waller straight up are you saying yes or no Drew I'm saying no I see got you yeah you got me you liar. You Such dirty a liar. Dude. I know. <laughs> I, I'm turning into Stephen A. Smith here. <laughs> the only one that really shocked me was George Kittle finishing at tight end 15. I think that's something that don't worry about. It's just kind of how the Niners offense ebbs and flows. That's why earlier in the offseason, I said I liked Darren Waller more than George Kittle. I thought he was going to have more week-to-week consistency. And I, I think that's exactly what happened here. Uh, the mm-hmm. only real surprises out there, Jawan Johnson, I said it on our waivers video. This is a guy that you probably should just throw a waiver claim at because you're looking for just anything at tight end. And the guy fell into the end zone two times. Uh, Jameis Winston likes his tight end. So keep him on your radar. That's one thing I'll say. Defenses, kickers, we don't really care. So, you know, yeah, we don't care. We'll, about those. we'll fly by that. Anyone else? Any other surprises you'd like to talk about from the weekend, Drew? Anything you're anticipating on waivers or looking forward for in the second week? I mean, just keep your eyes open on the waivers because week one was a big week with lots of surprises. And week two is just going to be just the same. I mean, you're going to see 
lots of people fall off and you just got to hit the waivers. And I've always said this about fantasy football. That's how you win leagues is you have to be successful in the waiver wire. It doesn't matter about your draft. What matters is the waivers. Can you get those breakout stars that can make an impact? Say like if Debo Samuel or like a guy like Raheem Mostert, what's to say for this for a 49ers sake, Raheem Mostert's out for eight weeks. Who do you pick up in place of him? Well, you might have to go to the waivers and get somebody like a Trey Sermon or like, and just be like, hey, listen, he's going to take his place. Can he be effective enough to be a running back three or two, you know, and take his place and help you win a league? And that's where leagues are one is in the waiver wire. And I will keep preaching that every single day of the week. Yeah, you could have the best draft of your life. But what happens if half your team gets injured? And that happened to me two years ago. Half my team got injured and I started off the season 0-4. Well, I finished off the season 7-1 and to end the season. Why? Because I cracked down on the waivers and I made sure I picked up the right guys to help me win. And that's where leagues are won. So I expect a big week too. And don't get me wrong, like, like you said, George Kittle is definitely not going to be a tight end, you know, 25. And, you know, A.J. Brown's not going to be a wide receiver 50. Neither is Calvin Ridley. You know, these guys are playmakers. They find ways to get job done. Now, if Matt Ryan would stop playing dead, you know, and throw the ball to Calvin Ridley, he might do be effective. <laughs> you know, if Ryan Tannehill would stop fumbling the football five times a game, he might be effective. <laughs> but hey, Chandler Jones coming at you, man. I, I drop everything I had in my hands, too. No, 100%. I would be so scared. I'd be like, ah, you can have the ball. Think <laughs> he earned his money since he did that free agency video? <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, like we said earlier in the podcast, there's guys you just can't just throw away because they have one bad game. The entire Green Bay offense, I had Aaron Jones who had five points. And that's like, you really think I'm going to throw him on the bench because he had a terrible game? Absolutely not. He's a top five running back in the NFL. I'm not going to sit there and drop that for no reason. Just be like, oh, he was terrible week one. And that's what people have to have in the back of their brains. It's week one. Things happen. It's going to be full of surprises. You know, just looking ahead, I'm just going to throw out before we close the show, just a streaming option for a couple people. The Eagles against the Niners. The Niners secondary has been decimated by injuries. Jason Verrett goes out. Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, fire them up this week. But all right, guys, if you want to know some more streamers, if you want to know some more waiver pickups, who to start, who to add, who to bench, who to cut, subscribe to our channel. Leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Check out our partner, cavemancoffeeco.com. Use promo code SLUMP. Don't be a chump. And save yourself some money on some delicious cold brew coffee, which is you're going to need late at night to stay up to date with all the hard-hitting fantasy information that we're throwing out there to you. Juju Talk Sports, Drew Hagenbaugh. Stay safe, happy, and healthy, and we will see you next time.